All right, well, obviously we're in a little bit of a different spot this morning. If you've ever joined us on an Easter Sunday in the past, this might look a little more familiar to you. Um, I braved the early morning one day this week um, to come out here and at least try to capture a sense of a sunrise service um, on the water. And so this spot has special meaning for me um, here at the Cove, right on the river. It's one of the things that first drew me to Knoxville. Um, we've had the privilege every year since to have a sunrise service right here. And like a lot of things right now, we're experiencing what it's like to, to miss out on certain things that we take for granted, that we enjoy, that are a part of our everyday life. Um, but I pray that we'll be reminded today that there are some things we never lose out on. And ultimately, that's the love and grace and presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. Another thing I've always enjoyed about this spot, having the privilege to teach here in the past, it reminds me of Jesus. And uh, while it doesn't look exactly like Israel in the area of Galilee, it makes me think of, of his years teaching right along the Sea of Galilee, reaching out to people he loved and he cared about. And so I wanna start right there this morning. You know, when Jesus shows up on the scene, um, right as he's beginning his ministry, um, he, he immediately grabs people's attention. He's saying radical things, and then he's backing them up with his actions. He's miraculously healing people, touching the afflicted, and people are drawn to him. Pretty quickly, he has some committed followers that, that are his disciples that are with him pretty much 24-7, but he's also beginning to find these large crowds that are following him. And so in Matthew's gospel, chapter five, Jesus sees all these crowds and he takes his disciples and he goes up on the mountain and he's up on this mountain in Galilee that overlooks the Sea of Galilee. And it's on that mountain that he gives what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. But I want you to think of this as his mission statement. This is Jesus saying, here's who I am and here's what I'm about. And very specifically, the scripture tells us that when Jesus showed up, he continued to preach about the kingdom of God. And he was calling people to repent and turn and come into this kingdom that was at hand. And so on the Sermon on the Mount, this is Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus unpacks what his kingdom looks like. And it's like no other kingdom on earth. It's, it's radical. And it, it, it's inspiring, it's challenging, and it maps out a completely different view of life than people would typically have. And so as Jesus finishes summarizing his mission statement, he says these words, and I, I know these might be familiar to us, but I want you to hear this because he's just finished laying out everything that is important to him and what he's gonna be about. And he says this about his own words that he's just spoken. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But then, verse 26, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, they will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. I want you to consider the audacity of Jesus here. This guy has shown up on the scene and he's giving this mission statement and he's saying the words I've just spoken, they have power. They have meaning. And he says, he makes no bones about it. He says, you are to take these words of mine and build your life on them. And if you do that, it's a firm foundation. But he goes even further. He doesn't just say, hey, that would be a good foundation. He says, if you ignore these words of mine, if you choose not to build your life upon this foundation, your house will fall. In either case, he says, the storms of life, they're coming. The, the earth-shaking things that happen that will, will hit your very home, the, the deepest, most important things about who you are and what your life is based upon, those are coming. But if you will build your life on what I'm saying, on the truth I'm offering, you will have a secure foundation. Now, as crazy as this claim might sound that Jesus is making, let's look at the people that were present, the crowds that had gathered, his disciples. Do they look at him and react with an eye roll? Are they angry or do they just brush it off? No, that's not their reaction at all. The very next verse, verse 28 now in Matthew chapter 7. When Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. They were aware that there was a sense of authority and power to what Jesus was saying, that it actually stood up against the teaching of the day. And so here's Jesus. He shows up on the scenes. He makes these huge claims. He's touching lives miraculously. And people looked at him and noted, this guy has authority. And so over the next three plus years, this sense of momentum builds as people are becoming more aware of who Jesus is, they're in awe of him, and many are beginning to believe this guy is the Messiah. Jesus literally is shaking the foundation of all that these people believe, and he's offering a more sure, firm foundation based on who he is and the authority of his words. Man, people were excited. People's lives were being changed. They were being healed. And yet, we fast forward three plus years to the very week we're now remembering and celebrating, and it all appears to come crashing down. Imagine how these guys must have felt when on the night Jesus was betrayed, one of his closest friends turns him over to the ones who want to take his life. And then the rest of his friends, they deny him, they abandon him, they, they disappear in the chaos and he's left alone. And then the rulers of the day, the religious leaders, the government leaders of the day, they conspire to come up with some fake phony trial and condemn him to death. Why, why, why am I talking about that this morning? Jake, this is Easter Sunday. This is encouraging stuff. This is new life. Listen, Easter Sunday has its power 
when we pause to consider the impact of the death of Jesus. This guy who has said, I'm the foundation of life, has now been betrayed to his death. And it was earth-shaking. It was earth-shaking to the people who loved him. It was earth-shaking to those who were killing him. And ultimately, the earth itself shook. Check this out. In Jesus' final moments, Matthew chapter 27 now, verse 50, as he's hanging on the cross and breathing his last breath, Matthew records in verse 50, And Jesus cried out again, and with a loud voice he yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks split. And upon surveying this whole scene, a Roman centurion in verse 54 says that when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Can you imagine you disbelieve this Jesus and you've condemned him to death and then you watch this scene unfold. The earth itself is shaking at his death. And they go, what a waste. He was the son of God, what a waste. Those who had loved him and began to build their lives upon his words, upon the hope and the truth that he offered. What do you do in this moment when the one who said, my life and my words are the, are the only sure, secure foundation. What do you do when that person is gone? Church family, listen, this is relevant to us today because the death of Jesus, it reminds us of all suffering and pain, all moments of failure, and yes, even death. What do we do? when those earth-shaking moments in life come that rock us to our core, where we're left to say, God, what's happening? What's my foundation? I, I thought my life was secure and safe and my foundation was sure, but everything seems to be crashing around me. And so I wanna to talk to you guys about that for just a few minutes together this morning. What do we do in seasons like this that are sure to come when the very ground underneath our feet feels uncertain, unsettled, and we're getting rocked even to our very core. Well, we've got to start by understanding the death of Jesus and the significance of it. His death was all about the defeat of sin and death. Now, when I say the word sin, I think for most of us, what we actually think of are vices. We think of those things that we do, maybe we like to do, that we know are wrong. And listen, that's a part of it. But sin is way more than that. It goes way deeper than that. Sin at its core is about building your life on anything other than Jesus as our King. I'm going to say that one more time. Sin at its core is about building our life on anything other than Jesus as our King. God is our creator. He made us, he loves us, and he designed us to have not just a relationship with him, 
but a right relationship with him where he's God and I'm not, where he's king and I'm in his kingdom, where I hand over the reins of my life to him. And so at the cross, Jesus is actually confronting the very things he'd been talking about his whole life. He'd been disrupting and showing people, exposing even the reality of sin and its destructive work and how subtle it is that even good lives are sinful if they're built on anything less than him. And so his death, while it appears to be a defeat, we face those moments of defeat. Listen, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, this message absolutely is for you to consider giving your life to the one who would say, I'm the only firm foundation. But listen, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus and and you're thinking right about now, I can tune this part out because I have built my life on Jesus. I I just have to say to you, I, I want you to consider something that it is possible for us to give our life to Jesus, to follow him, and yet still begin to put some things in upon the foundation of our life that, are, that aren't sustainable, that aren't going to last, that are going to leave us shortchanged. I've known far too many believers over the years. It's heartbreaking to see people who've built their life on Jesus that when the storms of life come, When life gets really difficult, they get rocked to their very core and begin to question even their belief in God. Can I really trust him? Listen, I I believe that, that many of us are susceptible. I think all of us are susceptible to this, where even without realizing it, we can have this sense in our, our minds and our hearts that we've got some bargain or arrangement maybe with the universe, maybe with some philosophy of life we've accepted, or for followers of Jesus in our relationship with God, that we have some arrangement that if we live life a certain way, that we will be protected from certain things. Church family, that's not accurate. Any accurate reading of the words of Jesus, any accurate look at his disciples, Consider guys like Peter, Paul, John, the, these guys who gave their lives to him, who radically followed him. They, they faced incredibly difficult circumstances. They were abandoned, persecuted, imprisoned. They were killed for their faith. Jesus' own words, where we started this morning, he warned us with his very words, the storms of life are going to come but I'm the only sure foundation. But just as his followers were confused and hurt and defeated at his death, church family, we can be susceptible when the storms of life come and the ground beneath our feet feels as if it's shaking. We are susceptible too to question the hope that we have in Jesus. Can I really trust him as the sure foundation of my life? Man, I hope that you will. The truth is, when those inevitable trials of life come, they are an opportunity that God wants to use to remind us of the only sure foundation. I believe God will use these moments of shaking in our life 
to expose false foundations we have built our lives upon. I want to challenge you to consider something for a minute this morning. What I rely upon for my satisfaction, for my sense of peace or happiness, what I'm trusting in for my security, at least on some level, those things are what I worship. And God is actually wanting to, on purpose, use moments where those things get rocked to expose them in order to set us free. Because what Jesus did at the cross, the cross was a defeat, but it was not his defeat. It felt like that, but it wasn't. At the cross, Jesus was confronting, exposing, and defeating all other forms of building our lives on unsure, false, temporary foundations that will fall short. He was defeating them. And listen, this is the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus. This is the power of Easter Sunday. He goes to the cross to defeat sin, and then he conquers it, sin and death, when he rises from the grave. Not only did the earth shake at his death, it shook again one more time that weekend. Check this out. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28 now, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Victory is won. Jesus is risen. The earth has shaken, the grave has opened, and he has burst forth into new life. He's conquered sin and death. The one who said, I am the only sure foundation of life. When all hope seemed lost, when all seemed dark and hopeless, he proved right by conquering death. This angel now invites these women and his followers. He says to them in verse 5, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. But guess what? He ain't dead anymore. He didn't say it quite like that. For he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, remember this. He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Listen, when the earth shook again at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it destroyed every false thing that we can build our lives upon. And it invites us now to consider the reality of the risen Jesus. If Jesus truly is risen from the grave, and he truly is the living Savior who is the eternal one, then every other thing we can build our life upon is at best a temporary solution. And at its worst, it will fail us. The resurrection of Jesus isn't about um, an image, an ideal. Jesus isn't just some icon or picture. And he isn't just offering one philosophy amongst many that sound good. 
He's more than that. He won't allow himself to just be considered a nice guy and a good teacher. He, if he really is the risen Savior, then he's the only sure foundation of life, and he is worthy of our worship. And so the angel gives this message, go meet him at Galilee. Now think about this scene. Remember where we started this morning, when Jesus started his ministry and gave his mission statement, when he declared that his words were the only sure foundation of life, and the people looked at him and said, man, this man speaks with authority. Jesus meets his disciples once again in Galilee on that very mountain. And in Matthew 28, verse 16, it now says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. That's the hinge point right there. Will I see the resurrected Jesus? Will I believe him for his actions and for his words? Will I believe that he truly has conquered sin and death? Will I trust that he is the resurrected living Savior who offers the only way to life? And then when I doubt, when I struggle, will I consider the possibility that maybe even as a follower of Jesus, I've begun to build my life on something other than him. I'm trusting in something else for my security, for my hope, for my satisfaction. And will I let the resurrection of Jesus shake my life to the core in a good way to shake loose and break apart all the false things that need to fall so that what remains is sure, secure, lasting, because it's built on Jesus Christ and nothing less. Listen, this is what Jesus is talking about when he looks at this at his disciples on that mountaintop who are worshiping and some are doubting. And he looks at them and he says these words. I know these are familiar to us, but hear them in a fresh way this morning. We know this is the great commission, but it really is a great declaration. Jesus looks at them and he says, all authority. All right, humor me for a minute. Let's do the cheesy pastor thing like we're all sitting in church together this morning. In your living room right now, say with me, all authority. Come on, you can do it. All authority. All authority, he says, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Church family, do you hear what Jesus is saying to us this morning? He says, I have all authority. I just proved it. I rose from the dead. Now go and live your life built on this foundation, the foundation of who I am and what I have said to you. I've laid out for you how to live. Take my words seriously. Let me be king of your life. Let me build my kingdom right here, right now in you. Live your life based on that foundation and share it with others. 
And then the last thing he says is this, you're not alone. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, the end of the age that I talked about, where I told you it would get hard, where I said there would be wars and rumors of wars, where I said there would be disease and pestilence, there would be great anxiety and fear on the earth. In fact, the earth itself would go through turmoil. There would be natural disasters. But yet I told you, take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's let the death and resurrection of Jesus be the real thing that shakes us, to wake us up to the reality of resurrection life so that our lives can be built on the only firm foundation. I want to close with these words from Hebrews chapter 12. This is taken from verses 24 through 29. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. It's talking about Jesus. In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. I want want you to hear that again. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking in order that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He will burn up everything that is of no value that is temporary, that won't last, in order to have a firm, solid foundation that remains. Our job now, receive it. Take in the truth of his words. Build your life upon that sure foundation. And with grateful awe, let's worship our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen, church family. All right, I love you guys. I'm praying for you. Have an awesome day remembering Jesus and worshiping our risen Savior. We'll see you soon.